we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. I would like to welcome you to our latest Facebook Live. Just as you see the disclaimer on the screen here, please remember the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Please note that some things mentioned in this broadcast may be triggering or hard to hear for some folks. There are resources to help in our comments section of links. If you have any questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please consult your physician. Participating in this event with these clinicians does not create a physician-patient relationship. And my name is James Simmons. I am your host and founder of Ask the NP, where you ask everything you're too scared to ask your MD. There we are. Hi, Dr. Robin. Hey, Dr. James. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. And that was that was my informal introduction of you, the formal introduction of Dr. Robin. Uh, Dr. Robin Henderson serves as the Chief Executive for Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon. She also serves as clinical liaison to the Wellbeing Trust, whose mission is to improve the mental, social, and spiritual, man, do we need it, mental, social, and spiritual <laughs> health of the nation. Um, in Dr. Robin Henderson's role, she provides clinical oversight, for investments and programming, ensuring they are consistent with the mission and values of both Providence and Wellbeing Trust. Robin, you are like the Facebook Live queen. So welcome, I welcome you again, but this is really your territory. Uh, it takes one to know one. And I, I always enjoy the conversations we have because I think we talk about things that are relevant. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, you know, it's so funny reading that line the, the mental, wait, let me get it right here. The mental, social, and spiritual health of the nation. Whoa, we are we are really struggling with that as a nation right now. So we're gonna get into this as it relates to COVID and everything going on right now. But can you just tell for those folks who are watching who might be new to these Facebook Lives or new to the organizations in general, tell um, the viewers a little bit more about your role with Providence. So I'm a psychologist by training. Uh, I have a background in all different areas of psychology, including integrated behavioral health and primary care, uh, acute psychiatry, all those other good things. And in Providence here in Oregon, um, all things related to behavioral health somehow come through me and my team. So we're really trying to create a behavioral health system that meets people where they are, as opposed to always having to have them come to you know that special private door over there that nobody knows about and right. we want to make every place that you show up and say you know what i'm feeling depressed i'm feeling anxious somebody there in that room is going to know what to say to you and and how to get mm. you help right there in that moment instead of saying yeah you need to make an appointment over there mm. how incredibly valuable too because i think that's one of the barriers that 
so many folks face when it comes to seeking care for mental health and understanding, you know, I, I think Dr. Henderson, that, that shows another level of the integration of mental, spiritual, and emotional health with our physical health, right? When we start to get in this process of really aligning, I'm going for a physical checkup, but that's also a really, really vital time to talk about my mental health. Well, and that's so true, especially when we look at children, you know, a lot of times, a parent will take their children to the pediatrics, you know, to their pediatrician, and the presenting problem will be, I've got a tummy ache. Well, in, you know, most people's worlds, a tummy ache means there's something wrong with my tummy. But when we're talking about children, a tummy ache is also really the first sign that a child is feeling anxious and is mm -hmm. having some other types of issues, coping with something, dealing with something, and they don't know how to express their emotions uh, and say, gosh, I'm feeling anxious. That's not words they have. What they have is this kind of strange feeling in their tummy that we as adults recognize as, wow, I'm, I'm kind of anxious. Sure. Uh, so really being able to marry those things together, that becomes what's really important. It, it, it really is important. And, you know, it's talking about that anxiety that, that you mentioned. You know, I, I think that's the first time anyone's ever sort of categorized that and put that together for me, Dr. Robin, that that feeling that you have in your belly. I had a little bit of it right before we went live here, right? There's lots of people right. watching. This can be a little, and that feeling right here in kiddos, they, they don't know how to express that. But in terms of anxiety, I, I feel like the whole world is anxious right now. There's so much going on and we're, we're getting a little burned out <laughs> just to be frank. Right. And, so can we start talking about some of these like, like tips that maybe you have about preventing this burnout? It's really interesting. I'm on the West Coast. You're on the West Coast. I'm up here in Oregon. And uh, if television in America at any point, you recognize right now that Oregon's on fire. Uh, we're having a hundred year burn. And where my house is uh, over the weekend, over the last several days, we were in what's level one evacuation zone. And my friends just across the river were in a level two, which means they have to, you know, level one is, is get ready. Think uh -huh. about what it is you'd take. Number two is get set, you know, get your stuff in the car, make sure you're set. And level three is of course, go and go now. And sure. if there's something that doesn't make you anxious, think about it. All of a sudden seeing on the map that you're in even a get ready, that like raises everybody's already anxiety level up to way up here. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we talked about in relationship to the fires themselves, and I think this applies to, to, to other types of things, is how do we prepare ourselves for that? And, you know, preparation in advance, you know, always, always helps to reduce anxiety. Where mm -hmm. are those lists that you make of, of what you would take, what you would need? Um, when you're in that get, get set mode, where are you putting those things and, and where are you going to take them? But having those conversations as a family, making those determinations yourself, Facebook is filled with lists right now of the things you need to think about that we really don't think about that are important mm -hmm. can be a calming activity. Because here's the thing that we know, if you have agency over something, if you're able to deal with something, you're much less anxious about it, even if you don't ever end up dealing with it. We mm -hmm. knew what we were gonna do to get set, what we needed to do as a family, where we would go, what we would do, and everybody's anxiety level goes down a notch or two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes to that idea of preparedness that we talk about with PPE. 
and yeah. right personal protective equipment right exactly and tying marrying that concept of personal protective equipment with with mental health right like right. like ppe is something that we can talk about from a like psychological uh standpoint right. in fact you make a beautiful transition dr robin because the <laughs> ihi <laughs> made some very specific recommendations about this, you know, we have this theme of PPE that's been running throughout COVID, obviously. And now the IHI is recommending a series of P psychological PPE. And can you explain a little bit about what that is and what's your take on it? Well, so this it's, it's kind of an amazing concept. We were talking about the idea that we know that when we walk into a hazardous situation, you glove up, you know, you put your gloves on, you put your mask on, you put your goggles on, you put your cappers and your pappers and your gowns and all the other goodness. And sometimes uh -huh. you have a bunny suit with the back of your head. Those are not necessarily things we do in psych, but they're right. things that you do all the time, right? Absolutely. Yep. Every day. You got it. Every day. But in psych, we need to come up with what are the things that we need to do to psychologically be prepared so that we have our psychological personal protective equipment as well. And those are the that we use to cope, things that we can do, uh, especially extraordinary circumstances. A couple examples. In this time of COVID, one of the things that we've been struggling with is how we connect to each other when we can't do the things we would normally do. You know, we can't hug, we can't shake hands, um, we can't even really gather, you know, after work for a plate of nachos. Uh, right. to, to right. talk about the difficulty that, you know, the challenges and the, and all those other types of things that happen on shift. Just think mm -hmm. about it. The things that we often do when we're coming off a rough shift, we, we go to the restaurant, we have a plate of scrambled eggs. If you're coming in in the morning on, on, uh, you're coming <laughs> off a graveyard shift. Uh, off night shift yeah. Off night, yeah, exactly. And if you're coming off day shift, you're going for that plate of nachos, but those things can't happen. But the interaction that happens when colleagues and coworkers do that together, that still needs to occur, right? Because that's part of how we decompensate and debrief. The ability for colleagues, especially in healthcare, to be able to talk to each other and talk about the reality of what we see and deal with each day is an important part of what protects us from burnout. Mm. And COVID stopped that for us. Absolutely. So what we started, right? I mean, how do you do that right now? I, well, you know, it's really, it's interesting you think about that. I did just come off of night shift and I got about two hours of sleep before <laughs> doing this. So if this is not my most mastery of hosting. Please, everyone um, who's watching, forgive me. Um, also, everyone who's watching, by the way, if you have questions specifically for Dr. Robin or questions about resources or anything, please give, put them in the chat. We have people who are moderating that right now. We're going to get to your questions a little bit at the end. Um, but Dr. Robin, you know, back to coping, it's a completely different world. And, right. you know, I, I've been lucky to, to, I sort of have the things that I'm able to do to cope, but one of them is running and yes. I can't run in this smoke because no, you, you, can't. you can't breathe. I, I have asthma. So running's already a challenge anyway. I'm also like 180 pounds overweight. So running's secondarily a challenge. And now you add smoke. <laughs> and so I feel you on this burnout and this, I think people who are in healthcare are feeling this burnout big time and those who are not are doing it. And what, what are what are some of the things your team is doing um, to help folks who are really feeling this burnout right now? 
So part of what we're doing is recognizing that people don't have their usual ways to decompress. So how can we proactively reach out and help people decompress? One of the ideas that we've talked about and, and that I know some places are doing is, you know, oftentimes when you go off shift and somebody else comes on shift, you know, you kind of tap hands and you give your report and say, you know, here's what, here's what Mr. Smith is doing. Here's how Mrs. Jones is doing the general report that you do. Mm-hmm. But one of the things to add to that report is what is something that happened on your shift today that made you smile? Mm-hmm. And what is something that you learned today that you want to make sure I know about because it's going to help you? Because here's the thing about COVID. We're learning so much rapidly. We're not learning it on a weekly basis. We're learning it on a shift by shift basis. And it's yeah. the same thing with the wildfires, right? We're learning things, different coping skills every single shift. Because you got to switch from your, this kind of mask works in this situation, and this kind of max, mask works when you're walking to your car. Right. So what are the things, what's one thing that made you smile? And what's one thing you learned today? Because that really gives people an opportunity to interact on a human level, not just about our patients. Wow. I, I really, I really like that. I also, you know, I, I wonder about when, when was the last time someone asked us that not only just healthcare providers, but anyone really. Right. In, in general, even pre-COVID, right? When when I almost feel like this is something, this is an opportunity for us to get in the habit of that, to, to build kind of like we talked about in the beginning, to build mental health mm-hmm. into our daily situations, our daily practice. And for, I think that's that's a different way. You know, everyone asks, how are you doing? And everyone's like, oh, I'm fine, you know, whatever. And we're all still saying that, even though most of us are not fine for whatever one reason right. or another. But if we can start saying, making people be thoughtful about these things, what is something you learned today? What's one thing that made you smile? I think that's fantastic, Dr. Robin. Well, and imagine the next time you go to your local grocery store and you're checking out in that courtesy clerk line. And you know, those courtesy clerks working in grocery stores are on the front line. And they take, uh, they see everybody, they're essential workers that we don't really talk about. And oftentimes they're the people, whether it's the courtesy clerk in the grocery store or the person making your espresso in the coffee shop, or even the person in the drive through at your local fast food joint. These are people who've been putting themselves at risk for some time to keep everything going. But who's stopping and looking at them and saying, how are you doing with all of this? How are you coping? Mm-hmm. And, and asking them how they feel when they're providing such an important service for all of us. So even if every day all of us just picked out one person, one person in the interactions we have throughout a day, even if it's the call center person that, that you're talking to to get your internet fixed, because we're all doing that. <laughs> Aren't we though? Right. <laughs> and asking, how are you doing? I mean, really, how are you doing? How would our world change? It, it really, it, it sort of boggles me that it's that simple, or at least that step of it is that simple but it's something that we just don't often think to do. And it, you know, you brought up essential workers, Dr. Robin, it really made me think about, are you seeing an uptick in people seeking, specifically seeking mental health care, maybe even from essential workers since COVID started and the world is quite literally on fire and the racial social justice uprising that needs to be happening, this interplay of everything going on right now. Have, have you seen an uptick in people seeking mental health? Absolutely. Uh, mm. Absolutely. You know, we talked about in pre-COVID day in, in behavioral health, 
when COVID first hit, visits went down um, across everything, across ERs, across primary care clinics, across all of those different places, visits went down, but they didn't stay down. Mm. And one of the things that Providence did that that I'm really, really proud of is we pivoted to a virtual platform almost instantaneously. And I'll wow. give you a really great example of this. You know, in February of this year, which seems like a lifetime ago. Right, doesn't um, it? Right. In in Oregon, I have a really, really robust uh, behavioral health uh, integration program in primary care. And uh-huh. that program, you know, we've got psychologists in all of our primary care clinics all across Oregon. That's part of the care team. That's part of what we do. Uh, wow. You know, it's an amazing, it's an amazing service. And we saw maybe a hundred total virtual visits in the month of February. And that wasn't just mental health. That was like everybody in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Come March. Yeah. It's more like 7,500, you know, 10,000, 12,000. Right. That whole, those numbers are just blowing us out of the water. Wow. And that did a couple things for us. When you go to a virtual conversation, when you go to a virtual visit for mental health, you eliminate the need for somebody to get in their car, drive an hour to see their therapist, get stuck in traffic, be 15 minutes late, be worried mm-hmm. about, you know, thinking about, oh my gosh, I got to get back on the I-5 on my way home. That's going to be awful. Yeah. You know, yeah. you really are protecting that time. And we saw people show up, show up on time, no shows dropped. I'm sure. Satisfaction went up. Really? That was so that was going to be my follow-up question. Are people, do you feel like these conversations virtually are as robust? Are people feeling like they can more be themselves or less be themselves? Are they actually showing up for the appointments? How, how's the actual conversation going? From what we're seeing, people are showing up. And I think longer things go on where we get more and more used to this virtual world. I mean, and six months ago, the standard operating procedure was you show up for in person for a meeting or you're not committed. Mm. Think about it. That was, that was kind of the impression that, that we all, you know, what was the statement? You know, the people who want to get ahead, the people who want to really show that they're dedicated to their job, they're showing up in person for every meeting. And in fact, you're five minutes early. Yeah, of course. And nowadays, six months later, post COVID, we've all come to recognize that the virtual world is where it's at. And the reality is most of us can be probably more productive, which then leads to boundaries, which we're going to put a pin in boundaries and come back to that, right? Mm, yes, absolutely. But the idea that that judgment went away. So I think as we've all become more comfortable in the virtual world, people have become more comfortable talking with their therapists virtually. Mm-hmm. My daughter just got a new therapist in the day, in the age of COVID. Uh-huh. And she's never met her in person live. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. This right. is their this is their relationship. This is their interaction. Uh-huh. And she loves her. And she's at college now. So her therapist is an hour away. Wow. Pretty remarkable, that, huh? I mean, it it really is fantastic. It really makes me, you know, just think about how we were able to, you know, COVID. I know this is kind of a weird way to say this, right? Dr. Robin and those watching, I hope everyone understands this, but it if there are some silver linings that will start to come out of what we were forced into by this pandemic, I think this will be one of them. I think this embracing of new technology and this embracing, particularly when it comes to healthcare, 
being able to seek a primary care appointment or a dermatology appointment. You know, everyone asks, what's the, what's this thing on my foot or whatever, or mental health and getting that into, you know, um, uh, electronic into, into, you know, telehealth, which is really great. I, I want to switch just a little bit for folks who maybe are watching, who need to know Dr. Robin, what are some of the signs that they can notice or see in someone who might be, you know, maybe sad versus depressed? or what like a, a clinical depression looks like, or what a debilitating anxiety looks like, particularly for their coworkers, even if they're seeing that coworker only on, on Zoom, what are some of those signs that people can look for that they might need to help them escalate and get some help? So, so that's a really great question. And, and some of the signs that, that we look for are changes in your normal pattern of behavior. And right now in the time of COVID, normal is defined a little bit differently. What does that mean? <laughs> Things like oversleeping, overeating. Um, people have noticed changes in their patterns of alcohol use. Things mm. like that. Um, exercising, and we talked a little bit about exercising earlier. The challenges mm. of the wildfires are it's hard for people who use running as a primary endorphin stimulant to be able to cope with just life in general, much less depression are challenged right now because you can't go outside and run and do those types of things. So right. noticing those types of feelings of sadness, um, you know, often the it's common to cry during a Hallmark movie. It's not necessarily as common to cry during a Hallmark commercial. Uh, mm. And the idea that, you know, tears really? come a lot easier. Well, okay, maybe. Because <laughs> I have <laughs> <laughs> but but that the other thing though is quick to anger, quick to irritation, and inability mm -hmm. to tolerate um, the people around you and wanting to isolate. Mm -hmm. uh, those are signs that you know when you see somebody on Zoom who's who you've been had a relationship with or you know, and they're just different. Maybe they're not interacting in the meeting. Maybe mm -hmm. they're not um, interacting uh, as they normally would. The banter isn't there. Sure. Um, those types of things. That's a good time to look at somebody and say, you know, um, wonder if you, do you need some help? You know, maybe, would you like to talk to somebody? Um, in Providence, we've got a lot of wellness resources. You can find those definitely at, at our website that is, is here on screen. But for people who aren't Providence employees, who don't have the ability to, to do that, uh, calling your local helplines, right? Uh, there are helplines in every county and every state all across the country. I know here in Oregon, uh, we have Lines for Life. They're connected in with the National Suicide Hotline. They have specialty lines for veterans. They have youth line for kids. And they're there just to talk. They're not there just to talk about suicide. They're there also to talk about depression, anxiety, all those other types of things. You know, people often go, well, my problems aren't they don't matter enough to talk to somebody. Mm. And that's kind of a false narrative. Sure. Uh, with a physical health condition, when you start to feel that something's, you know, let's just, just call a spade, you know, call it out and say, let's say I get a cut on my arm. It starts to get red and maybe a little bit pussy. Oh, that's not too bad. You know, it'll be fine. Or you feel a lump and you go, oh, that's mm -hmm. not too bad. It'll be fine. What happens if you put that off? Yeah, then all of a sudden, we're, you know, if that's a cut on an arm, we're talking about amputation down the road. Right. And that if that's a lump, you could be talking about a significant tumor as opposed to something that we could control. 
Well, the same principle applies to mental health. And the idea that, well, when you're in that stage where you're just not feeling right and and you feel like things are kind of out of sorts and you're feeling depressed and like you've lost energy, that's a time when really the interventional strategies to help you um, get back on track, to help you develop some new coping mechanisms, uh, to help you get grounded again, that's the time to seek help. If you wait until you're full on suicidal, it's going to be a little bit tougher and there's going to be some more impacts around that, just like physical health. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought up that that analogy because so many people can understand that analogy a little bit better as we as we start to normalize the conversation about mental health and seeking help with that cut that's infected before Mm -hmm. it gets out of out of hand. Now we had Kathy Welch just popped up on screen there and said, you know, as someone who works in the ICU, she often agrees that people don't seek help. Um, yep. We have a question from LinkedIn as well that sort of ties this together. Actually, thank you, Kathy, for your comment. The the lots of hospitals still have policies about letting patients have relatives or visitors, and it, it mm-hmm. sort of varies per hospital, per region, what your you know uh, outbreak numbers are of COVID versus the mental health challenges of keeping those patients isolated and what those challenges are. Have you, do you know, are there some specific things that Providence is doing or individual hospitals that, that you know of are doing to try to you know, fix that barrier of that mental health, right? It's sort of like the nachos after work or the plate of right. eggs with, after night shift. Your family can often be your mental health support for you when you are in the hospital with a physical ailment. But if there's no family around, what do you do? So part of what we've been doing, we call caring for the caregiver. And we've been targeting um, areas that we know, like the ICU, that have been especially hard hit by COVID and some of the other stressors. You know, the emergency department is another great area. People in behavioral health, candidly, is another area. People who are working in COVID units all the time, taking those risks with their lives every single day. Mm-hmm. All kinds of units. And food services, environmental services, they're under additional undue stress. So we're proactively working with their leaders to have conversations about mental health, to have conversations about the wellness resources, and to help them understand how to identify caregivers who may need more. Mm. Right now, uh, when you look at these fires and level two and level three evacuations in Oregon, we have more than 400 caregivers who've been impacted by this. More than 400. Wow. And Providence has stepped up and reached out to every one of them to say, we're here for you. What do you need? How can we help? And here's your resources. Wow. That's fantastic. And I, I my heart, you know, goes out to everyone um, and in particular the, the caregivers or the first responders who have been impacted by this, you know, so much. I'm, I'm so elated to hear that Providence is, is reaching out and doing the things that they need to do. Um, we have another question here from Facebook, Dr. Robin. And by the way, we have about three minutes left in the broadcast. So if you have other questions or things that you specifically want to ask of Dr. Robin Henderson, please do. Um, this question is: Any advice on what next steps? Sorry about that. No problem. You're you are a popular person. Your people are reaching out to you. I love it. This is great. Um, what are what are some advice or next steps that you would give to someone? who is seeing a therapist regularly, but they're still really struggling with everything that's going on in the world. And can you hear- Can you hear me? Because I know you. 
I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. We can't see you. I but know. It, I don't know what happened to my camera in here, but you can hear me, so that's great. We so can hear you. Just so tell me the question one more time. Sure. We'll just keep going, and um, we'll, we'll pretend like it's a radio show. How about that? Um, any go. advice? Uh, so the question from Facebook is, any advice on what next steps would you recommend for someone who is seeing a therapist regularly but still struggling with everything going on? You know, for folks who are seeing a therapist regularly and are still struggling with what's going on, that's the perfect time to pick up your phone and call your therapist and say, you know what, I think we need to kick it up a notch. You might mm. need to engage in a support group. Many of the support groups and intensive outpatient programs that we offer through Providence have virtual options. And being able to process some of that in a group setting where you're talking with other people who are struggling too can help you really normalize what it is that you're feeling. Mm. And that may be a good time to, to take some time and, and seek some other type of, of support. I know online support groups are huge right now. There's a lot of online AA support for people who are struggling with substance use disorders. And a lot of, you know, for people who are finding that that nightly glass or two or four of wine um, really isn't the best coping strategy. There are a lot of online resources that can help you um, and really begin to, to reach out to other people and say, you know what, I'm feeling this way. Are you feeling this way too? Mm -hmm. um, so, reach out to your therapist and say, I need a little bit more. Uh, because what you, again, you don't want to do is to let that cut fester. And that's the thing that we've got to remember in this time of COVID and with these wildfires and all the other stressors that are going on. There's always somebody here to listen. There's always somebody here to help. If you don't have a therapist, call your primary care provider and they will help get you connected to somebody. But there's always somebody here to listen. Absolutely. I think that's a, a brilliant, brilliant comment. I can't say that enough. Whatever's going on, you can always reach out to your primary care provider for whatever, including mental health. And they, they might not be the person to treat you or work with you, but they will put you in the right direction. Uh, Dr. Robin, we have one last question as we wrap up here. Um, and by the way, thank you for everyone who's been watching so far. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, there's there's resources and things in the chat and in the text below. Um, and we'll talk about those in just a minute as we wrap up. But the last question, Dr. Robin, how, and this one's kind of a tough one, how would you assist folks who do not connect well with people via virtual platforms? They really do need that human connection that they just can't get through a video chat. What do you recommend for those folks? You know, there are still people seeing people in person. They're a little bit tougher to find. You might have to wait a little longer, but there are still people in meeting in person. Uh, I know we have therapists doing that and just really calling your primary care provider or going to our providence.org website and saying, you know, I prefer to see someone in person. Absolutely. That's an option for you. Very good. I want everyone to know, as scrolling across the screen here, that you can see, um, you know, go to providence.org slash patients visitor and visitors slash community resources. There's also the crisis text line, which you can always text. I know sometimes I've met people who it's much easier for them to have a conversation via text. So 741741 is the crisis text line. There are lots of lines like Dr. Robin mentioned before, uh, particularly if you identify as LGBTQ plus in yes. that community. Um, the trevorproject.org is a great place to go. They have text and phone and web interfaces if you should ever need any help. 
Um, so with that said, thank you so much, Dr. Robin, for joining us today. Although I can't see you, it was great to I see know. you right now. That's okay. And we thank you for everyone who is um, watching and listening and sending in your questions. If you are looking to help with your mental health, if you need help or other medical advice, please visit providence.org. You can also follow Dr. Robin Henderson on Instagram at docrobhenderson and me, of course, at AskTheNP. And be sure while you're there on social media, you got to follow Providence on Twitter. Providence is on fire on Twitter sometimes, by the way. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our mission, programs, and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Robin, thank you for sticking with us even through these uh, technical difficulties. It's it's just, we just turned a Facebook Live into a radio show. How about that? Hey, thank you so much, Dr. James. It is always a pleasure to talk with you and to roll through these little technical issues and technical difficulties. Uh, you know, this is, I learned the lesson of it's very important to remember to set do not disturb on your device. <laughs> on your phone. Also, <laughs> it wouldn't be 2020 if something didn't go wrong with our broadcast. And that that's okay. We're Absolutely. Good. I'll see We're you next time. You got it. Thanks so much, Dr. Robin. And thank you for everyone watching. We'll see you next time.